Please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to What The Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We're still finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Chloe. And I'm Isaac. And in this episode, we're talking about chapter four of the novel Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined. Good day to you, Chloe. Good day to you, sir. How are you? What's going on? What's crackalackin'? We have just posted our first part of our fantasy cast for the Life and Death movie <laughs> that is not being made. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we don't know what the results are because we're recording in the past and we've been having we've been having some discussions, you and yeah, I. Yeah, arguments. <laughs> some uh, some creative disagreements. We just don't often like the same actors no we don't we really don't so this is going to be interesting it's going to be very interesting isaac versus chloe (laughs) oh god that is how it's going to be but we're not going to tell anyone who is who's okay yes no i think that's best but everybody needs to be on my side but we are going to make this anonymous and democratic so we're going to put up a vote on our instagram story every saturday so if you want to be involved in this democratic casting process for a film that is never going to be made just check out our instagram story every saturday and then we'll post the results for that group of characters on our instagram yeah i guess the next day now if i don't get what i want i will become as bitter as stephanie meyer i'm gonna write all about it (laughs) how are you doing on this fine quarantine day we can say it's the weekend right yeah sure at the time that we're recording this yeah we are having a weekend which i mean has no purpose anymore what's a weekend so basically my friend julia and i who i live with we say that we'll make weekends special and we'll do stuff so today i said we'll have an afternoon tea so i got all dressed up i'm a little bit tiddly because i've had too much prosecco Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> i love the bubbles <laughs> And was it just the two of you? It's just the two of us. Yeah. That's so cute. But she let me down. I'm not going to lie to you. She let me down. She didn't eat as much as I thought she would. And she didn't drink as much as I thought she would. So I had to take one for the team. (laughs) We are doing chapter four, Invitations. I invite you to follow me whilst I do my plot. I'll follow you anywhere. So we start chapter four with Bo dreaming about Edith. In Beau's dream, Edith is always out of reach. A month has gone by since the accident happened where Edith saved Beau's life and it's still the talk of the school. Beau is centre of attention, which we know Beau does not like. The one person that doesn't give him any attention is Edith. She has been ignoring him since the accident. What a dink that we have the spring fling, ladies' choice. So Michaela wants to go with Beau. Beau wants to be left alone. <laughs> Uh, Michaela has been getting closer with Beau and will rest herself upon his desk in biology until Mrs. Banner starts the class. We get it, Michaela. You know, we get it. She asks in front of Edith if Beau will go with her to the spring fling. He says, no, he's going to be in Seattle that weekend. Once Michaela has been let down, Edith and Beau have this really strange staring competition. After the biology class, Edith actually makes an attempt to talk to Beau. At the end of the school day, Beau is trying to leave. Erica is leaning on his truck and asks Beau if he will go to the dance with her. Beau explains the same kind of excuse. Beau gets in his truck. Edith is in her Volvo, starts a traffic jam. So Taylor, the girl that nearly killed Beau, 
can get out of her car and ask Bo yet again for the dance. He explains, no, he's gonna be in Seattle. Taylor thinks it was just an excuse to not go with Michaela, but no, he will not go with anybody. And then Bo can finally go home. Bo makes chicken enchiladas. Yes. Charlie gets home, they eat dinner together. Bo tells Charlie he's going to Seattle next weekend. And Charlie asks if he wants him to go with him. And Bo does not. The next morning at school, Edith greets Bo in the car park and asks if he would like a ride to Seattle in her Volvo because she doubts the truck can do the mileage. Um, They have the famous conversation of, I'm tired of staying away from you, but we shouldn't really be friends, blah, 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 blah. But Bo, bless him, succumbs to this every will, as I would. (laughs) (laughs) So this chapter, chapter four, Invitations, does what it says on the tin, really. It's all about... The dance. It's all about being asked to the dance. Mm. What did you make of it? Ladies' choice! <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it, just like my plot, the chapter itself is very clunkily written. <laughs> I didn't love it. Yeah, I wasn't a fan. I was a bit like, okay, we don't really need this. But I think because we're doing it from chapter to chapter, we notice things a bit more. Exactly. So I've been checking in with Twilight just to see what's changed, what hasn't, and not a lot really has changed. Obviously, when we were doing the Twilight books, we did, I think, two episodes per book. Yeah. So this would have been something that we basically just skipped over. It's quite a nothing chapter, but it does deal with a bit of the ins and outs of Bo's life. Would you like to know the date, Chloe? <laughs> I would feel lost without it. As you will recall, the previous chapter, Chapter 3 Phenomenon, took place on a Tuesday, the 25th of January. <laughs> yes, because things always happen on a Tuesday. What? Everything happens on a Tuesday. What do you mean everything happens on a Tuesday? I said that in the last episode. Everything that happens is always, it's always a bloody Tuesday. In these books or in life? In life. I hadn't noticed. Yes. We used to love Tuesdays at school. Because that's when we had What? Yeah. Really? I mean, it's not Monday, is it? Everyone hates Monday. It's not Monday, but everything happens on a Tuesday, trust me. So when Bo went to sleep and had his first dream about Edith, that was the night of Tuesday the 25th of January 2005. Then it gets a little bit difficult to follow, so I'm going to talk you through what I've decided for the timeline. So he went back to school the next day, Wednesday the 26th of January. He really wanted to continue that conversation with Edith that they'd begun in the hospital. So he tries to speak to her. So then later on in the chapter, there's the conversation that Bo and Jeremy have. They're in the school hallway. This conversation happens in Bella's house in Twilight. And in Twilight, Bella tells us that that was the first Tuesday of March. So I looked up the first Tuesday of March in 2005 was actually the 1st of March. (laughs) The dance is a week from Saturday. Now, if this conversation with Jeremy is happening on Tuesday, the 1st of March, then a week from Saturday would mean that it was Saturday, the 12th of March. However, the next day, when Bo and Edith have their conversation, when Bo says that it's been six weeks since she last spoke to him, that would make that Wednesday the 9th of March 2005. So that conversation with Jeremy must have taken place Tuesday the 8th of March. So the dance will be taking place Saturday, March 19th. So that means that for some reason that I can't quite put my finger on yet, but I'm sure it will have meaning. (laughs) These events of life and death are taking place one week later than the same events in Twilight. Do you know why that is? Why? Lazy writing. (laughs) (laughs) 
well. There we go. Sorry, that was quite a journey. Thank you so much for that, Isaac. I'm taking this very seriously. We will know the date, if nothing else. I would, if we can, go back to the beginning. I just have a few questions. Of course. Thank you. We said in our last episode that we would realise in the morning if Bo had masturbated over Edith, and I need you to confirm whether or not he did. Oh boy, I'd forgotten about this. (laughs) What are we saying? Okay. No matter how fast I ran, I couldn't catch up to her. No matter how loud I called, she never turned. I got more and more frantic to get to her, until that anxiety woke me. (laughs) The month that followed the accident was uneasy, tense, and at first, embarrassing. (laughs) Why is it embarrassing, Bo? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah! His his obsession is going up a notch now. It's more than just like a a little curiosity. It's now... He says himself stalkerish. Yeah, he's aware of his behaviour. The whole turning all these girls down for the dance, I don't dance, blah, blah, blah. I think we're supposed to believe it's kind of because of Edith, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, a mixture of the two. Like, I believe that he can't dance. He's too tall. Uh, (laughs) He's too tall. Too tall to dance. He's too tall to dance. couldn't possibly. No, and of course, he would rather go with Edith if he would have to go. I have no real notes about Michaela asking him out. I mean... I don't have many notes about anything. I've got a few things that I've, like, underlined. But while we're on the topic of Michaela asking Bo out, what did you make of the Ladies' Choice dance? Ladies' Choice! (laughs) I mean, why not? I mean, it was Ladies' Choice in Twilight. Oh yeah, exactly. This hasn't changed. It caught my eye where it hadn't before. And I just started thinking about the concept of a girl's choice dance. We don't really do dances here. No. We don't really have a comparison from our high school experience. I mean, we have prom. So we have a prom, but other than that, it doesn't really happen. Whereas in American high schools and, well, North American high schools, Canada, most places you've got about three major dances and then there might be extra ones as well, depending on the school and the area. So normally you'd have the homecoming dance in the autumn when the school year's just begun. That's when the kids who have just gone off to college come home. Then what we're seeing here, a spring fling or a Mayball or something like that. And then summertime at the end of the academic year, you've got your prom. School dances in North America have been on record since about the 1930s, but most people agree that they've been taking place long before that, into like the late 19th century. Wow. Uh, so it's like a long-standing tradition. School discos have existed in the United Kingdom since about the 1970s, so much later there was the concept of a school disco. And I remember at primary school having school discos. Yeah, we had so many. That would be a thing that you'd do as like a younger kid, you would have a school disco. But prom is very much an American import over here. It's only really started in the 2000s. Influenced by American film and television, that's what brought the concept of a prom over here. So what I really wanted to look at was the idea of a girl's choice dance. Yeah, okay. So what is the purpose of it? So the purpose of it is this most unusual phenomenon of giving females a choice of anything. (laughs) Particularly anything to do with romance or maybe their romantic partner or their romantic or sexual value just really just like a fun one-off really silly thing don't worry it's not gonna last and it's not important or serious where the girls get to actually (laughs) express their interest in romantic partners 
rather than being picked. It's like that thing on leap years where women can actually propose to their partners. Yes, and there are some schools that only do, or at least did only do, girls' choice dances on leap years. So it used to be a four-yearly thing. You'll also hear them called Sadie Hawkins dances. You might have heard in films and things. So it came from a popular comic strip in a newspaper from, again, the late 1930s, where there was this concept of Sadie Hawkins Day. And that was a similar thing to the leap year concept of the day that women could ask men to dance instead of demurely waiting to be asked by the men. And so that took off and it became really popular by the 1950s. I'm really, I'm not blaming Stephanie Meyer for this. She didn't invent this. But it is what it sounds. It's it's an old-fashioned sexist practice. I mean, there are worse things than... Giving women a day. Giving women a choice, yeah. Um, But, I mean, wouldn't it be nice if it wasn't just one day? Yes. I assume, I don't know, but I assume that these days, if a girl wants to ask a guy to a dance, she just would. I would hope so. Rather than waiting for this specific dance. Anyway, bringing it back to life and death... Maybe it's reflected there in this kind of weird pressure that these girls tend to have about asking him. Because normally the norm would be for him to ask them and they would just be flirting and waiting for him to ask them. Yeah, that's true. I think what is good, though, is like with people like Michaela and Taylor, they're confident anyway. I think they would have asked him had it not been Lady's Choice or not. I hope so. But with Erica, it gives her more more of a drive to be like, okay, I want to ask him. This is the time because it's Lady's Choice. Because her reaction is very like, he says no and she's like, okay. <laughs> you know, bless Erica. I did feel for Erica. I'm, I'm getting a little bit of your feelings about Erica. Yeah. Just because, you know, it's a very brave thing to do, no matter how old you are. It did make me laugh because we were literally just talking about this. <laughs> yes. I think what you were saying was that you've got your philosophy of you're going to let someone know how you feel if you feel it. Well, yeah, why hide it? I mean, I'd rather know straight away if you're not interested. And that takes work. It's not easy. No, it's it's really hard. And you come up with all the scenarios in your head. What if they say this? What if this? Blah, 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 blah. Just fucking do it. Ask. Yeah. And she does. And yeah, she gets rejected. But, you know, Bo is not awful about it. He's not rude. Maybe this is something that we should examine in terms of are we being nicer to Bo just because he's a man but with Bella we got quite annoyed about this like oh I'm so sick of all the boys fancying me Mm. and I did get sick of Bo getting asked all the time because he's a drip and he himself later on in the chapter says that he's uninteresting and I'm glad he realizes that oh yeah absolutely but I do think that he handles that situation as well as one can yes yeah because that's not easy and as I know because I'm constantly beating (laughs) him off with a stick (laughs) experience to be further you did get a lot of girlfriends when we were at school when you are as desirable as i am (laughs) you (laughs) um when Bo and edith finally talk and Bo discusses the regret that she must feel did we ever discuss this with bella i don't remember but it's intense it's really intense i was like why the fuck have we not discussed this this is not the logical reasoning for anyone to come up with. Well, it's just quite extreme, isn't it? Yeah. In Twilight, I did feel this came out of the blue. Like, Bella just says it. You regret saving my life. Whereas with Bo, we get a couple of sentences, a little paragraph early on in this chapter where the penny drops for him and he tells us as the narrator, he's like, ah, she wished 
that she hadn't saved my life. But it's still kind of crazy. Like, what a thing to be accused of. Yeah, and also, like, what? You think you're that worthless that someone would wish you dead? That's awful. It's tricky because you almost read it in the sense of, like, to wish someone dead, even if you've not committed any action, to not take the action to save a life is as bad as ending a life. Or is it? Kind of topical with what we're experiencing. If, you know, you as an individual or as a government have not (laughs) taken the appropriate action and the appropriate steps to save lives and people die, is the loss of life your responsibility? To an extent, kind of. Mm, That's true, yeah. Edith here has done the right thing with the power that she has to save a life. He is accusing her of wishing she hadn't done that and to wish that you hadn't saved someone's life. It's not the same as killing them, obviously. He's still alive, but it's wishing someone were dead. It's awful. She had to save his life. Like last episode, we were just talking all about Wonder Woman and superheroes. And was it when we did Eclipse? We talked about superheroes quite a lot, about why aren't they superheroes, the Cullens? Yes, you had a big issue with it, yeah. I've thought more about that issue. Um, In Twilight, I maybe hadn't given Edward credit for saving Bella like he does, but I suppose it was painted very much as he couldn't help himself because he was in love with her. Also, the rest of the family really wished that he hadn't but also in twilight it's revealed and maybe it will be revealed in life and death edith or edward does it yes to save his or her life but also there's this if the blood is spilt everywhere they will have gone crazy true true so it kind of needed to be done yeah so it still ultimately has selfishness at its core yeah but i mean every action has a selfish root i don't know it's definitely a thing when you have power like that it's just a classic superhero thing is it spider-man yeah with great power comes great responsibility doing nothing when you have the opportunity to do something is as bad as hurting someone agreed agreed This poor vampire girl. She's saved this guy that she's clearly falling in love with. He was very desirable to her blood-wise as well. She's really confused. He's now accusing her that she would rather see him dead. Also, I really didn't approve of him saying, well, it just seems obvious that you do regret it. Does it? Does it seem obvious that she regrets it? Just because she's not talking to you. (laughs) No! She's got a lot to process. Yeah, she does. And like, yeah, we're reading into it a bit because we have extra textual knowledge. We don't actually know Edith very well yet. Not yet, but I'm I'm willing to get to know her. (laughs) I love that you love her. I love it. And then after all of this, she calls him an idiot and I'm so there for it. I liked that very much. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing, just a little mention, I just can't deal with Bo saying that Edith is perfect anymore. I'm done. I'm tired of it. Now, I know Bella did it with Edward, but with Bo, it is written in a way that it's all about her looks. It's not even just about her mannerisms and the way she presents herself. It is her looks and that no one is ever going to, you know, surpass this perfection and it just derives from the male gaze and this thing that we as women have to always, always kind of be on. Yeah. Look, listen how passionate I was. And then you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Proving my point. Listen, sugar tits, what you need to understand is... 
<laughs> no, you are absolutely right. My only counter to that, you've already said, is that pretty much the same thing was said about Edward. Yeah. Though, when it's about Edith, it's so often about her being little and slim and i suppose this is symptomatic of the culture in that in order to write an attractive character you have to fall into tropes yeah typical gendered stereotypes of an attractive woman looks vulnerable and an attractive man looks invulnerable and i suppose it makes it a bit more interesting in a sense because the opposite is true yes and i appreciate that it just gets on my tits quite frankly well because she doesn't need to be teeny tiny we've had enough she teeny doesn't need tiny. to be perfect she's great i'm here for her i've got time for her but at the same time if i was Bo and if i was like crazy obsessed with this random person at school then i would probably be writing in my diary about how like the sun shines out of their ass i wanted to ask um charlie and Bo's discussion about seattle is there any differences between Bo and Charlie to Bella and Charlie. There is one. The reason for the shopping trip is the same but different. So it's to go get books, and Bo is just honest about that. They both are horrified at the idea of Charlie going with them. So Charlie asks Bo, do you want me to come with you? And Bo just says, that's okay, it's not going to be very exciting. Whereas when Charlie offers to go with Bella, she says, that's all right, Dad. I'll probably just be in dressing rooms all day. Very boring. And then Bella says in her narration, the thought of sitting in women's clothing stores for any period of time immediately put him off. Ah. So that's the only difference. An understandable change. But I remember my notes all over my copy of Twilight Bear are like, bah, bah, ah, patriarchy. I mean, to be fair, that's Bella's judgment. She thinks that of Charlie. I don't think that of Charlie. I don't think Charlie thinks that of Charlie. I think Charlie might find it a little dull. Sure, I would. Who doesn't? Yeah, no one likes to be in the dressing room even when you're the one trying the clothes on. But also I think if my daughter, who I hadn't seen or hadn't lived with before and hadn't connected with properly yet, you would go. Also, she's 17 in a big city by herself. Yeah, a city that she's not from. I appreciate Charlie in this. I mean, we we were always very appreciative appreciative of Charlie but it's nice to know that things aren't different just because Bo is a boy I like it so I am a little bit conflicted with the ending of this chapter I love this kind of praying hypnotic effect that Edith has I think it's very sexy it turns me on a little bit I'm not gonna lie same to be honest way more than I ever felt with Edward she's a bad girl she is a bad girl I wrote down Michelle Pfeiffer Grease 2 Cool rider. <laughs> I just, I'm so here for it. And yes, it, I hate the whole, you should stay away from me. No, come closer, but leave. Because of, of course I'm not going to leave you, Edith. You are sexy as. I think in the next couple of chapters, we're going to get more of this. The fun is going to wear off. I'm going to get more irritated with this. Go away, but stay with me. It is really tiresome. But at the moment, just this little bit of sprinkling where Edward was just being a dick with her. I'm like, yeah. And right here, right now, it's getting me off. And in these dark days, you've just got to, you know, take whatever gets you there. I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's praising and that's boring. <laughs> but I just wanted to point out, just for those who say we never say anything nice, remember back in the uh, forward when Stephanie Meyer writes that she had a great time just going over 10 years later and doing an edit? Yes. And just making some changes? It's an unfortunate line to bring back, but... In Twilight, Bella describes Edward speaking to her and she says, he enunciated every syllable as if he were talking to someone mentally handicapped. Oh my God. In Life and Death, 
She enunciated every syllable like she thought maybe English wasn't my first language. Much better, but still not great. I don't know. Like, I, maybe in 10 years' time, someone will listen to this and go, that's just as offensive. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it is, like, because he's not specified any particular group or nationality, yeah. but that's just... You shouldn't speak that way to people who don't have English as their first language because speaking slowly and loudly does not help. <laughs> <laughs> But I understand that. I get the way that someone might talk to someone to whom English wasn't their first language. There were all kinds of problems. Again, I'm not completely clear because there is a cultural difference with some of these things between the UK and the US in terms of what and what isn't acceptable to say. But the word handicapped has all kinds of negative associations. But regardless, you just shouldn't, don't use that as a description. Maybe just should have said like she thought I was stupid. Yes, because she did say he was an idiot. So Well, exactly. It makes sense. So that's chapter four. Yeah. So, Chloe, what's your favourite part? She's just so sexy. Oh, that's it, is it? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I would. In fact, why am I not? (laughs) (laughs) What's your best bit? My best bit is Charlie and Bo's blossoming relationship. Oh, you love the boys. It's not terribly different to Charlie and Bella. But it it has a slightly different feeling. It was just great to see those chicken enchiladas being made. Because who doesn't love an enchilada? It was kind of a strange feeling, but also a good feeling watching as he started to trust me in the kitchen. And again, it's one of those things that the other way around, it felt patriarchal, whereas now it actually, you know, a son cooking for his father and his father appreciating that and there not being anything about it being feminine or the role of a man or a woman in the house, when you take that away... It's just a child doing something nice for their parents. And I like the feeling of it. What's your worst bit? Um, I think my worst bit is the way Bo talks about Taylor's confidence. Really? Yeah. Because, so Taylor is just a confident lady, I feel. And was just being like, hey, I think we should go to the dance together. I thought it might be an excuse that you didn't want to go with Michaela because maybe you want to go with someone else. Like me. And the way that Bo in his head is like, oh, I felt sorry for her. Oh, no, I didn't because she's so confident asking me out. And I'm like, hey. And again, it's not different to the way that Tyler did it. It's just naturally better. Yes. When Bella said no to Tyler and he said, oh, that's cool. We still have prom. I was like, fuck's sake, dude. Like, get the hint. Leave this woman yeah. alone. Whereas on Taylor, I'm like... Yeah, if you want to try again, cool. try again. Yeah. But also you get the sense with her that if he rejects her again, she'll be like, fine. No, yeah, I agree with you. And yeah, his... I understand because, you know, he'd been through that a lot that day. Well, yeah, he says that his patience had run out and it wasn't her fault. And I'm like, God, your patience is for only two women. (laughs) (laughs) Try hundreds of men. Try it. Try it one afternoon working in a pub as a woman. My worst bit is the under-characterisation of Jeremy. Hmm. That's kind of it. Okay. I don't have a lot of evidence. I was going to say I kind of don't give two shits. (laughs) That's fair. I think anything following Jess Stanley is going to be a disappointment because she is the goddess that we pray to before we go to sleep at night. It's just, he's a non-character. I just don't know who Jeremy is. And so therefore I don't care. No, Jeremy doesn't know who Jeremy is. Absolutely. But also it's like when you put two drips in a scene together, what are you going to get? Just more water. Mm, Just a slightly bigger puddle. Burning question time. Burning question time. Do you think Stephanie Meyer is aware of Edith's sexiness? Okay. 
Do I think that she's aware of Edith's sexiness? I don't think she would use the word sexiness. What would she use? She would, I'd, like, beauty, perfection. She has just taken the character of Edward and she thinks she's just flipped the gender and that's it. And I think she wrote Edward thinking that she'd written a prince. Yes. Yeah, and princes aren't sexy though. Harry. You think Prince Harry is sexy? You don't think Prince Harry's sexy? Harry's not sexy! So this is the final episode of What the Forks. Um, <laughs> we won't be back. I mean, Meghan is sexy. I can't believe you think Prince Harry is sexy. I, don't, I can't believe I you know this about I really you. can't believe that you don't. Right, so she's just... I think she thinks that Edith is an angel. Right. What are we saying? She's made a sexy angel. Also, are you aware of how much time we spent talking about the sexiness of these people who are 17? Yeah, but Edith isn't actually 17. Yes, but she has the body of a 17-year-old, Chloe. But she has the mind of a 120-year-old. <laughs> hot, hot, hot. <laughs> and I've obviously, throughout this episode, been saying how I'm attracted to her mind. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Chapter 4 of Life and Death. Join us next time for Chapter 5, Blood Type. You can find us on social media by searching at ForksCast, and you can rate, review, and subscribe to What the Forks wherever you listen. Until next time, take care, stay at home, and remember, we like the bad girls. Bye.